This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, if you're asking me if I'm going to enjoy losing, I, I think we all know the answer to that. Um, I'm older. I'm uh, something I'm going to be very conscientious of. It's something I'm going to watch very closely. I will be in the head coach, but I'm going to hire great coaches that are going to be expected to do their job. I'm not going to be running around like a nut on the practice field, and you know those days are gone. Uh, I'm certainly going to. I know what it's supposed to look like, and I want to be very demanding of everyone. It's something I'm going to watch very closely, but it's something that, you know, I had that surgery in 2014 that really helped things, uh, but uh, it's just something I'm going to watch very closely. That is Urban Meyer today talking about his health. And I thought it was a good answer. Again, I, I said it's the top of the show. I like the fact that he didn't kind of run and hide from it. And say, and he acknowledged it. And he said he's got to manage it. It is what it is. And so, again, I think the health stuff has been very real. I think some folks don't want to admit that, but it's true. And everybody I've talked to that knows Urban really well has always said it's real and uh, was a real part of the decision-making and getting back into the coaching and to the NFL. And now the thing is he said the right thing there. That is, I'm going to let my coaches do the work and, and you know, I'm not going to run around like a nut and – but the bottom line is he's uber competitive, he's type A, he's alpha coach, <laughs> yeah. and you can say that, but that's not easy to do. And I said at the top of the show, again, I think I think one of the most impressive things a human being can do is change. I think many people can slightly change, but can you make a radical change for the better or for your health in this case? I think that's very hard to do. I think you kind of are who you are most of the time, um, and uh, again, not impossible, but has wisdom helped? Has age helped? Has the scare of the health stuff helped? Uh, will the NFL schedule help? Maybe. We'll see it all come together. I just think it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to have to do that, it, it sounds like. Uh, but I think <laughs> I think he is such a of CEO material that he, he might be able to do that, might be able to swallow the whistle a little bit, Austin, because he's going to have so many other things going on as he remakes this organization. No, without a doubt. And I'm very curious to see, because obviously Urban Meyer, he is an offensive-minded coach. I wonder how much input he's going to have on that offense. Now, obviously, he could be the quarterback whisperer like he's been in the past, but he's going to have a lot on his plate. He's going to be expected to... I guess regulate, you know, those 90 or whatever guys you had in the locker room for training camp. Um, he's going to be expected to build up that culture. And then on top of it, how much is he going to have on his plate in terms of running this offense? So it's definitely going to be a lot um, to handle. But like he said, and he's going about this the right way, he's he's bringing in guys that he trusts. He's bringing in guys, I think, that share his vision. I would just obviously – I know, like we've heard Charlie Strong and, and things like that, and that's great. But we also got to keep in mind you got to keep a couple NFL minds, in my opinion, on that team or bring NFL minds in because it is a different animal. And it's like I always say, Brent, you need those bridge guys. You know what's funny? Charlie Strong feels like an NFL guy to me. Really? Yeah, just okay. kind of his temperament. You know, he's got that like. He just feels more NFL. I mean, I know he's been a college guy and head coach at the college level and everything. So uh, he comes with a, a lot of experience. By the way, there's more reports out now. And, and remember when this was going back and forth the last couple of days? Charlie Strong, he might come to Jacksonville. Then somebody else was like, no. I think it was Brandon Spikes, remember? He said, no, I talked to Charlie Strong. He's going to get Florida. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a report out now that Charlie Strong was going to go to Florida to work with Todd Grantham on the defensive side of the football, but chose to Urban Meyer instead in Jacksonville. Huh. And so – 
nobody was lying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It looks like Charlie Strong was making a decision and ends up coming to Jacksonville if that stays true and the report stays true. Again, Ryan Stamper, uh, Jacksonville guy, played for Meyer at Florida, was working at Ohio State, comes over from the Ohio State program to help uh, as well in a role. Charlie Strong looks like to be the linebacker's coach, according to reports. Again, these are all reports, uh, and mm-hmm. welcome to the silly season. It's funny, I was telling Steph, I told my wife earlier, I was like, I don't get wrapped up in the... I understand uh, Jags fans do, and I appreciate that. I don't get too wrapped up in the hires. I, I do the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. I think are critical. I think there's a lot of folks that on the staffs over the years are like, yeah, I don't really know much about that guy. You know, like sure. Keenan McCardell. Like I was watching his career a little bit, and I loved when the Jags got him, and I would be all for them keeping him. Quite frankly, like I really think he's good. And, and I think there are probably a lot of good coaches I just don't know a lot about on the assistant ranks. And so. Once you tell me the OC and the DC, okay, and probably special teams, uh, I'll probably be like, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't have strong, strong feelings about it. And the fact is, I'm going to trust Urban Meyer to put together this staff. He's the one that knows what he needs. And, and whatever, man, sign up whatever you need, as long as it's got a nice balance of NFL experience. Well, that leads us to the reports that maybe Scott Linehan, uh, could be coming to Jacksonville as the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Nothing done. Uh, it was a report yesterday. And Linehan and Meyer go way back. I was reading up on it today, and Meyer gives Linehan a lot of the credit for some of the principles of the spread offense that he brought, mm-hmm. you know, back in the mid-2000s. So yeah. that I, I found that interesting. You read up on Linehan, most people say he's a very, like, easygoing guy. He's almost... Uh, Depending on what team, now listen, he was a head coach for the Rams, he's with Dallas, he's with LSU most recently, he's been around the block. Mm-hmm. And depending on which team you read about, and remember all these teams he's probably been fired or let go or didn't work out from, they say very vanilla guy, kind of boring guy. Uh, who knows? So, you know, I, I don't, I, I gotta believe that Urban Meyer, if he gives Scott Linehan credit for where the where the spread came from, the yeah. guy's got to be a pretty intelligent offensive mind. And if you go down Scott Linehan's record, some of his offenses have ranked very nicely in the NFL. I guess I would just say I like the fact that he's an NFL guy. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to jump you know, you know, know, off this chair right now if they announce Scott Linehan as the OC and say, yeah, maybe nice hire. I don't think it's that. I just I do like the fact that he's leaning on a little NFL there, yeah. if, if that's the case. No, for sure. Yeah, with Scott Linehan, you get the experience factor, which is important, especially with, I mean, we talk about a young team. Well, it's a young coaching staff coming in in terms of NFL experience as well. I think that, listen, with Scott Linehan, yes, he has been known to to implement kind of like the 50-50 offense, a lot of run and then a lot of pass, um, kind of a balanced attack. Is there a need for that now in the modern NFL? I mean, I get you got James Robinson, right? But let's be honest, he's not Derrick Henry quite yet. And you got Trevor Lawrence coming with a, with a great wide receiver group. So to me, if you were to hire Scott Linehan, um, I get where some people could be skeptical. But I truly think this is still Urban Meyer's show. And I, I truly think that Urban Meyer is going to have his hands all over this offense. And then Scott Linehan's job will be to reciprocate that. So... Just because you're bringing Scott Linehan in doesn't mean you're bringing the latest version of his offense. I still think we're talking about Urban Meyer's spread offense and some of that quarterback option as well. It looks like quarterback read pass option. I didn't get this deep into it. And I saw some, there were some top five and top ten uh, offenses for Linehan. And, and I just didn't, uh, apologies, I didn't get 
to do this. But I wanted to go back and look at, okay, at the time, what was the quarterback situation? Who were the Jimmys and Joes? You know, because at the end of the day, depending on who you're coaching, who the quarterback situation is, my guess your rank is going to probably follow <laughs> how good that person is. And, yeah. and so this once again, see, and that's why you have to have somebody that's going to coach up and, and make and get the best out of what we assume will be Trevor Lawrence. But if he's good, I guarantee you Scott Linehan's going to look better. If he's good, Urban Meyer's offense is going to look better. You know, <laughs> so there's there's just like that balance to it, and nobody does wonders. Listen, I thought Jay Gruden did a nice job this year. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like overall, there were da- times where we questioned him, but I thought Jay Gruden did a nice job with what he had. What he had was a struggling quarterback room, and he could only do so much, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So. What does that mean? Well, okay, Jay Gruden did a nice job. Scott Linehan's kind of boring. Okay, Jay Gruden didn't have any quarterbacks. Didn't mm-hmm. matter he did a nice job. Yeah. Well, give me the good quarterback, and I'll take the chance on whoever you want to sign up as an offensive coordinator, and I think that's what it boils down to. Uh, but, again, some of these uh, names are floating out there. We'll keep you up to date. Uh, I do want to ask you about the general manager because we did get a little bit of insight, and you know my feeling on this, Austin. I thought the last couple of days, not only was Urban Meyer maybe putting together the staff before they officially announced it, but I had a hunch that maybe they would even announce the GM today. Sure. Like, I, I, w- I would have been surprised. Now, what they told us was that's coming in the next week, which means they've done work on it, and Shotcon kind of said, yeah, we kind of got a guy in mind. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I was wrong. I, I think they were doing work on who the next GM was going to be, and Urban Meyer had a big say in the next GM. So, Kuz, if you're ready, let's hear from Shad Khan about that roster control buzz phrase that Shad Khan mentioned last week and listen to him describe it today. For the immediate future, I'm going to keep the roster control. And I want the coach to know that also. And it's Really, it's not to really who's coming in, but it's to really have a rhythm that everybody's aligned on who might be leaving the team and who might be coming in, at least for the immediate future. So, so that is uh, Shad Khan explaining the roster control. And remember, he had to kind of explain himself again last Monday because <laughs> yeah. everybody was like, oh, my gosh, Shad Khan's going to be picking the like the third linebacker on this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what what – Shad Khan was telling on others in the building, essentially, last week without telling on them. And and that was, there were moves being made that he wasn't privy of. And, and I just go to the example of, and I don't know if this was exactly what he's talking about. My belief is where Tom Coughlin, when he was dealing with the whole Yannick Ngakwe situation, or, or Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin, let's put them in the same boat, and they said basically gave... Jan, a take-it-or-leave-it deal that got things hostile, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And when they did that, my guess is that's what something like Shad Khan's referring to. He's like, wait, don't do that. Don't Mm -hmm. muddy that up. Mm -hmm. This guy's 24. We can work on this. Don't do take-it-or-leave-it type of thing. Like, that was my uh, interpretation of what Shad Khan was saying last week when he said, I took roster control because I want to know what's going on. And Urban Meyer's going to be pushing a lot of the buttons, but it's okay if I know what's going on. 
Exactly. Like, listen, anytime you invest your time, your effort, and your energy into something, and more, probably most importantly, your money into something, you want to make sure of what's going on behind the scenes a little bit. And I think in the Tom Coughlin scenario, you had Shad Khan who put 100% trust um, and 100% of that manpower to Tom Coughlin and said, hey, do what you feel is right for this team, and I'll trust you. And I think when that happened, obviously Shad Khan wasn't in the loop. Now, whether that's by his own design and his own fault or whether that's uh, a lack of miscommunication, we may never know. But I do like the fact that the owner now of, of a franchise um, is going to be in those talks. He's going to be in those meetings. At the end of the day, it's going to be his say of who you go after and who you – let go now don't get it misconstrued because you see this all over twitter sometimes shod khan's not going to be the guy in charge of drafting everybody okay shod khan's not going to be the guy that's in charge of who stays and who goes like he's going to have an input on that but that's going to be also urban meyer and it's going to be the gm that comes in here as well well speaking of the gm good segue there austin it looks like we'll have a new gm in jacksonville within the next week as soon as they've got somebody in mind it sure sounded like that but i want you to listen to what Shad Khan said about the power structure that will now exist in Jags headquarters. It is an inflection point uh, for the Jaguars. A lot of things have happened which really put us in a position really to win, and the choice of the head coach was probably the most important thing. So, and I'm really gratified and I'm delighted, obviously, that Urban's on board, I think. Uh, so, but moving, you know, moving forward, I think the issue of roster control, it's more technical or symbolic. My whole aspect, and this started really about 15 months ago, that we need to be a coach-centric team and organization. Uh, the head coach really has to lead the kind of players he wants, the kind of team we need to be. And um, the general manager, myself, we have to support that vision. And somehow, some way, that had been lost. And the idea here is really more about transparency, collaboration, teamwork, accountability. Um, I think, you know, this would lead to the natural question. I mean, I've talked to Urban about, um, you know, our general manager, who it ought to be. And I, you know, and we're working together on it. I hope, uh, you know, we'll have an announcement or something uh, in the next week or so. But the object is going to be that, uh, you know, and and I shared this with Urban. He's on board. Both of them, you know, will be reporting to me. But everybody in the organization, I mean, we're going to be, you know, carrying out, uh, obviously, Urban's vision of the team and the kind of players we want. Very well said by Shad Khan and very uh, a lot of details to kind of unwrap there uh, from Shad Khan. But essentially, I got a couple of things out of it. Mm-hmm. What I just told you moments ago, they know who they want as the GM. Now they've got to just make sure that's who they want. They got to find out they can get whoever they want. Uh, but remember, now GMs have been hired around the league, so Urban Meyer is helping uh, pick the GM, whoever that is. And I think we'll know within a, a matter of a week. That's what it sounded like from Shotcon. He did say a week or so, but I'd be almost surprised unless it takes a turn that if we don't know uh, in the next handful of days who the GM is. And then the next part of it was the power structure, Austin. You know that that structure that I basically took that as Shad Khan saying, "Listen, I messed this up. I, I I tried it with Tom Coughlin. It worked for a little bit with the with the Dave Caldwell in the middle, with Doug Marone as the coach. I tried it the traditional way of uh, GM hires the head coach. It just hasn't worked. And and well, this is the way we're going. And this is the part where 
hand will get tired because I can't pat myself on the back enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is the, the one time I'll say, I told you so. I, I just think as you looked under the hood of the Jaguars and you compare them to other organizations, the big phrase that Shad Khan just said, we are going to be a coach-centric team. The compass of the organization is now one man. It's not Shad Khan. It's Urban Meyer. Yeah, I mean, listen, it comes down to communication, and we've talked about this before. If you hire the coach before you hire the GM, then the job that's going to be put in place is the coach brings the culture. The coach is going to relay what type of guys he wants to the GM, and then it's the GM's job to go find those guys. It's simple. It makes sense. It's easy to understand, and there's not going to be breaks in communication. Those are all recipes, in my opinion, to have a, a successful regime and a, a successful, you know, next couple of years for the Jaguars. By the way, I think it's a brilliant move by Shad Khan. I think this is a very, very good move. I think he's a little bit carbon copy of Seattle, what they did in 2010. You get the college coach I know, Pete Carroll had NFL experience too, but just hang with me here. You get that guy, 2010, he picks John Schneider to be the GM. John Schneider and him have gone to Super Bowls, they've won one, they've won a bunch, they just extended Schneider to 2027. It's worked. Urban uh, Pete Carroll helped pick that. And then if you look around at the other organizations, I told you, Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, the faces of these organizations are definitely the head coaches, the successful ones. It's it's the way it's worked. We don't know who those – we might know who the GMs are, but they're not the stars. It doesn't run through them. The culture is made from the head coach. Urban Meyer will be the culture setter, the culture builder, and he'll be the central figure in this organization. And I think it's a – brilliant idea i get so many people on social media or maybe on our show that will say but brent the gm hires the coach well you know what it's 2021 things can change you can do it different ways it doesn't have to be done that way not saying you can't do it that way maybe houston's doing it the right way but you don't have to do it that way and i like the way the jags are going here the big question is austin do you have any idea who the Jags GM could be, because if it's going to be Trent Baalke, couldn't they just announce that today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think they're still looking a little bit, right? They're still doing their due diligence. They're making sure that it's going to be the right selection, because in my opinion, the hard part is done. You you have the, the coach. You have the guy that you wanted, and you've coaxed him to your team. That's the hard part. I don't even need, at least in my opinion, I don't need the best GM candidate in terms of, well, how did he draft this year? How did he draft this, or the, the, the previous year? Like, what is his draft record? All I need, more than anything, realistically, is to get the best candidate in terms of who's going to get along with with the coaching staff and who's going to get along with Shad Khan the most. Like, I need a relationship. I don't need even the best candidate. I'm not sure who the best candidate even is because, like you said, the GMs, right? Like, it's hard to say this is the, the, the go-getter. This, this is the number one GM to get right here. It's hard to have those conversations because there's a reason why they're searching for jobs right now. Because either they're young, they're new, and they're inexperienced, or they're coming from a place where it didn't work out. So there's no clear-cut top GM. So if that's the fact, then you go with the guy that Urban Meyer, and once again, you're putting trust in Urban Meyer. This is his ship right now. Let him steal it, uh, steer it. Go with who Urban Meyer gets along with the most. And I say it like you know, it's kind of like the 
good old boys network sometimes in terms of coaching, and sometimes I do disagree with that. But I think when we're talking about a GM and a coach, you have to coexist together. I don't care who it is, but they have to coexist. Yeah, that's very important. And that's what concerns me about a guy like Balky a bit because of his past. I mean, he ran through some guys there in San Francisco. That, and by the way, it might be totally unfair. I've told you this before. I don't know Balky. And maybe it was those guys. You know, Maybe it just didn't work for other reasons. But it was kind of messy in San Francisco at the end of the day. And I just don't understand if it was going to be Balky, why not today? You know, I think the, they still haven't done, like, the real introductory news conference. Like, they want to do that out at the stadium. Today was a Zoom call, and so my guess is they'll wait until that general manager is hired, especially if they think they have that in hand uh, in the next week. And they've got to navigate some things. Uh, playoffs this weekend, Martin Luther King uh, Day Monday, the inauguration Wednesday. So they've got some time to figure that part out. Uh, we'll see where they go from here. A uh, couple of uh, quick notes. Uh, one especially, we were talking about Scott Linehan. You know what else I thought was interesting, Austin? He was also on Nick Saban's staff when he went to the Miami Dolphins. Interesting. Isn't that pretty wild? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought that was wild. Uh, I think Jason Garrett was on that staff, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, therefore, the Garrett and Linehan connection. But I just found that interesting when Saban jumped to the NFL, Linehan was on the staff. Mm-hmm. Kind of knew how to... Maybe knows how to get Urban Meyer through some of the mud of it if he does come here. Again, we're talking like he's here. He's not. It was just a report about it. Um, but interesting to follow along. How the staff gets built. Once again, Urban Meyer says it's going to be an elite staff. Has to be a great staff. And he's working right now to put that staff together. What do you say we break from the Urban Meyer talk for a moment? Not for not for long, I promise. But we do have the NFL playoffs coming up. Let's talk about him a little bit. A little bit later on, Dee Brown will join us as well. So a couple of off-Urban Meyer topics, but we're not going far. We'll be back on the Urban Meyer Jags front. The remainder of the show as well at Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. Are we on right now or not? Like our screen? I guess we're good. Brent Martino. Yeah, you got to okay. go all the way. Yeah, we're back. Thanks for your concern. You're welcome. Uh <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. This is a deep, deep dive into this, and I, I know all coaches say that this is. I'm gonna. This will be the, the next uh, week. Will be essential. Will be a critical time for the Jacksonville organization. How about the severity of that? Urban Meyer. The next week will be a critical time for the organization. Deep dive going on. Mm-hmm. You know what Urban Meyer makes me do? Like, he inspired me a little bit today. He inspired some to go reserve their season tickets, right? Yeah. Which is great. Uh, he inspired some to run through a wall. He inspired players probably to be like, All right, can't wait to play for that guy. Yeah. He ins- we might come back next week is what I'm telling you, fellas, and ESPN 690 might be totally different. <laughs> I think I'm doing a deep dive, and I'm just going to tell you to start year three of ESPN 690 – it might be a critical next week for ESPN 690. <laughs> after after hearing him talk and then our, our week for everybody. your Tebow <laughs> interview earlier in the week, I don't know who inspires me to run through a wall more. Right? I mean, right, it's like, neck and neck right now. I'm going to need both of them to record, hey, Coos, get up, and I'm going to use that as my alarm in the morning. <laughs> I thought it was impressive, by the way, for you, Coos, today. I was, watch, I was flipping back between ESPN and NFL Network, which, again, you don't Take your eyes off the fact that the Jags were everywhere in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Right? That's how big of a move this was. 
This wasn't just a Jacksonville thing. Everybody saw about it. So my mom on NFL Network at the time, and then Coos texted. He's like, hey, uh, Bobby Carpenter's on. <laughs> Get up. Yeah, we just had him on yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that was good of you, Coos. Nice work, man. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Brett. You know, regarding what happens next week, we got to keep this one thing in mind. In, in a couple days here, it's going to be Monday. So it's something to watch over the next few days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I okay. got that. You know what I'm saying? It almost went over my head and under no, my feet. But no, I it's all right, that. man. It's all right. Hey, but I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying something crazy is going to happen, but it's something to watch over the next yeah. few days. And also, hey, uh, so we had some comments uh, on Twitter, and feel free to reach out to us. Um, the number is, who's, whatever you say the number is, because it's not on the screen right now. So 904-362-9901. Or star, star 690. Hey, um, good work. Yeah, there we go. But uh, it, it's a great point here. Um, somebody said, and I think it's... Cr- King Gregero here mentioned um, was curious about the the you know fifty fifty run pass with uh, Linehan here because when he was in Detroit uh, they ran sixty one percent sixty two percent I'm sorry they they passed sixty one percent sixty two percent and keep in mind I was there when he was coaching as well and all I'm gonna say is. I get the argument, and it's a great one, and I get the, the stats or anything like that. But, Brent, I'm going to make a, a point to you right now. Do you think that this past season the Jaguars were a run-first team or a pass-first team? It's uh, a good question. Um, I would say I think they were still a run-first team. Okay. And obviously, <laughs> well, obviously James But they Robinson, were going to be very balanced at, at, when yeah. you do this, and I think they might have even passed the ball more. Well, here's the thing. Do you know who led the league in team passing play percentage last year? Or I guess this past season. You're going to tell me the Jags? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Really? Yep, because that goes to show you when when your defense doesn't bail you out and you're playing from behind a lot, those percentages go up. Now, yeah. I think and they, they only used James Robinson, you know? Correct. It's not like they had a stable of backs. Correct. So if you look at Scott Linehan's, you know, his history in Detroit, obviously he had some rough seasons there, right? And yeah. he had some seasons where they're playing behind a lot. True. So listen, I'm not going to say... And he had Matthew Stafford. And he had Matthew Stafford. Oh, and Calvin Johnson might have heard of him as well. But with that being said, it just goes to show you sometimes, like, I, I get the numbers and I get the stats being thrown at me. But if I ask 10 people who led the league this year in passing percentage, I guarantee not one of them would say the Jacksonville Jaguars. And by the way, I would love to look this up now that you said that. That might be the first time in franchise history they've done that. Good call. That, yeah. That, that, that seriously, might be the first time in franchise history, and they went 1 in 15. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Remember when the Jack, all the years the Jags stunk? It was like, well, you throw the ball, yeah, stop yeah. running on second and nine. For sure, for and sure. Then they throw the ball all over, the, or they try to throw the ball this year, they go 1 in 15. Well, well, and listen, and, and, uh, I don't want to get too deep into the numbers right now, but you know how I, I kind of am a nerd when it comes to passing the football, or do you run the football? So last season, the highest percentage was 80% um, in terms of passing play percentage, and that was by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the previous year, it was in the 70s. This season, Jacksonville led the league only 66%. Wow. So How it goes to show that? you that, that teams are starting to run the ball a little more. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow, okay. Uh, good stuff there. Yeah. All right, let's get Brandon Ponsel on and do some NFL picks. We're going to talk about these playoffs and uh, jackscoastalhomes.com, the place to go to all your real estate needs. Urban Meyer might need a real estate agent, Brandon Ponsel. Hey, you're the famous guy in Jacksonville now. Hook me up with that. Yeah, we're going to try to do that. And uh, if so, where would you advise Coach Lifts? <laughs> uh, knowing Urban Meyer, he probably wants some privacy through Queens Harbor. 
Is that still that? You know, it's funny you say that about Queens Harbor, and you're a relatively new person in town. But Queens Harbor back in the day, Austin, even before your playing days, was a very popular choice for players. Well, trust me. I mean, Aaron Campman had a house there, so I know Queens Harbor very, very well. And I think Marsh Landing has become just as much of a hotbed in mm. that regard now. Um, but uh, I bet Urban Meyer doesn't mind having a boat. And, and put that on the water. So those are some good spots to pick. Uh, Brandon Ponsel from JacksCoastalHomes.com. Uh, what do you think, man? You, you excited? Can you feel the buzz in Jacksonville? Well, I can't. I I can't believe Jacksonville is the most relevant franchise in the NFL now. It's all anyone's going to talk about, and uh, it's so much to be excited about. So uh, great for the city. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's do this, man. Uh, here, here's the deal. I haven't been in the office in like two weeks. So I've been doing everything from home. So I don't even know where the scores lie. Um, I think you and I did okay. I think we beat Austin last week. I think mm. we were four and two, if that makes sense. Oh no, actually we had three games. So uh, already you, lying, already lying out actually, the gate. I lost the Ohio State game. I picked Ohio State. Why did I do that? Because I knew <laughs> Urban Meyer was coming. Uh, maybe that's why. Uh, a little brown nosing. But uh, let's let's get it rolling. We're gonna do. We have four games to pick. We usually do a six pack of picks. But we're, let's do the over and under and make it. An eight-pack instead. See, Brent, you're scared. We had MMA fights to pick this week, and you didn't want to see that, man, because you're scared. And it is uh, what it is. I'll, I'll put that on Brandon. He said, I don't want to do that. And he probably would pick it right. He's oh, absolutely. He's crushing it. Uh, all right. Uh, Rams and Packers. What do you think, Brandon? This is good one now. Six and a half. Packers are favored by almost a touchdown at Lambeau. And uh, the over-under is 45 and a half. Yeah, I love the Packers in this one. we got a, a warm-weather L.A. team coming to the snow. Aaron Rodgers has been absolutely on fire playing his best football. Um, but I, I don't think the Rams can move the ball, so I think the game gets a little bit conservative. Uh, and we'll go with the under. All right, Austin, what do you think? Man, so I'm going the exact opposite here, I think. Go ahead and give me the Rams with the points. I think the Packers still pull this out, but I think the fact that the Rams can slow this game down a little bit with Cam Akers, who's really coming on now, um, the Packers do have trouble stopping the run. And also, what's going to happen if Jalen Ramsey shadows Devontae Adams? Who's going to be that go-to two receiver? So go ahead and give me the Rams, and then go ahead and give me the over. Austin, what happens usually – by the way, I'm going to take Rams and under here, okay? Um, but what happens when the a good receiver or the best receiver potentially in the league this year plays the best cornerback? You know, a lot Man, of people yeah. say best offense versus best defense. If you go back in the Super Bowl era, I believe defense usually wins. Yeah. Is that the case with a wideout and, and, a, and a corner? See, to me, it depends on the wideout because we always have these conversations with Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Mike Evans is predominantly an outside receiver, right? He's a big-bodied guy, but if you have a long, tall cornerback on him, it's always been the same. I mean, he, he gets locked down. With Devontae Adams and how they use him, it's different because Devontae Adams is going to get his targets, whether it's out of the backfield, whether it's in the slot, that guy can play anything. So I'm just going to be very curious to see how much Jalen Ramsey is going to follow him because obviously Jalen Ramsey, not that comfortable taking guys out of the slot. So I think Devonta Adams will still get his, but I just think that when Jalen Ramsey and him are on the outside, locked one-on-one, advantage Ramsey. I think the key here is Aaron Donald. If he is healthy, they can get the push on the interior and have Ramsey maybe at least neutralizing to a degree Devontae Adams. Uh, I've got the Rams in under. All right, next up, Ravens and Bills. What a beauty of a game. Brandon Ponsel from JacksCoastalHomes.com. This is a tough call. The over-under is 49.5, by the way. Yeah, so it's a great matchup. Ravens have been hot. 
But I just think uh, the Bills have something special brewing up there. Bills Mafia, they're going to get the job done and, and win this game. And I think both teams will be able to move the ball on each other. So I'm going to go over the 49 and a half. Awesome. Wow. See, I'm going, I'm going the Ra- I'm sorry, I'm going the Bills for sure. Um, to agree with Brand, I think they have something special there. Josh Allen playing a very high caliber of football right now. Depending on the weather and depending how that turns out, that could be the ultimate Achilles heel for the Ravens who like to pound the rock, but it's built more off speed with Lamar Jackson and it's built some power to a J.K. Dobbins. But I feel like if it snows and it's hard to move around, that's going to hamper Lamar Jackson. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. So give me the Bills and give me the under. I am super concerned about Lamar Jackson, a guy who's played from South Florida, played at Louisville. Not to say he's never played in the cold in Baltimore, but this could be different with the snow. I am really concerned about that. That being said, I'm concerned about the Bills with a little sense of satisfaction. It's human nature. They won their first home play, first playoff game in 25 years. I think the Ravens are hot. I think the Ravens are hungry. I think the Ravens are better coached overall, believe it or not. And I think the Ravens are going to win this game. But I am going to take the under because I feel the weather could be a factor. And if the Ravens do win the game, that means they control the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, the Browns and the Chiefs, 10-point favorite. Hey, the Browns were six-point dogs a week ago by the time that kicked off, Brandon. And they pull the upset in a major way over under 57. What is this, Oklahoma, <laughs> Texas? <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, the Steelers sent my wife to bed early last week. She didn't even make it through the first quarter. She was so sad. But um, the Browns looked great. Their offensive line is strong. I think they'll be able to control the line of scrimmage on offense and slow this game down a little bit. And look out for the Chiefs being rusty. They haven't played a meaningful game in three weeks. So look out for a sneaky upset. I'll take the Browns plus 10, and I'm going to go under. Nice. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm taking the exact opposite once again. Uh, <laughs> I like this. There's going to be a lot of game picker uppers or game picker losers, I guess you would game call them. Destroyers. A game destroyers. Yeah, I mean, season destroyers, really. Listen, my, my gut would be telling me to go with the Browns here because the Chiefs, the past couple games that they've played, they've been, they've been nail biters against teams like the I guess they kind of beat the Jets uh, handily, but they played in some close games. And the Browns right now are obviously surging with Baker Mayfield. But the one stat that sticks out to me is when Andy Reid has any sort of a buy, his Kansas City Chiefs, they just, any team that he coaches, um, they reach new echelon. So I'm going with that stat. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm taking the buy and Andy Reid getting those, that team ready to play, um, at Arrowhead and I'm taking the over as well. D- d- despite of the snow, I think it's going to be an explosive game. All right. Uh, you guys bring up valid points. And by the way, I'd even say to Brandon that you could go back a few weeks when they played meaningful games and I'm not sure the Chiefs played clean football. You know, Patrick Mahomes in December was, just okay, it felt like, for the most part. That being said, when the Patriots were playing well in the heyday, I had this rule like, I'm not betting against the Patriots. <laughs> the Chiefs are the best team to bet on. Because even when they play bad, they deliver. I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm just not betting against the Chiefs, but I'm also going to go with the under guy, so I'm going to be a little bit different than you. Bucks and Saints, another beauty. It's a field goal game. Do you know Drew Brees has a 5-2 and two record against Tom Brady? How about that, Brandon Ponzo? Over and under 51 and a half. I think the old adage, tough to beat a team three times in one year, is going to ring true again on Sunday. I think the Bucks have found something in the last few weeks. Their offense is sharp. Uh, and I think their defense is the healthiest it's been all year. I think they're going to stand on their head and uh, slow the Saints offense down. Give me the Bucks plus three, and I'll take the under in this one as well. 
So listen. <laughs> tough call. Uh, I mean, no. That was oh, a heavy no, side. No, it's not a tough call because I would – listen. Brandon makes great points, and I want to take the Bucks here because, like he said, it is so hard to beat a team three times in one season. But with that being said, when we did our preseason picks, I had the Saints going to the Super Bowl. So I can't go back on that now. I have to sacrifice it, if you will. So go ahead and give me the New Orleans Saints with minus three, and go ahead and give me the under. Or I'm sorry, go ahead and give me the over because I like to be different. So Saints and over. Saints wow. and over. Okay. Uh Here's the deal. <laughs> the neighbors are not going to be happy with me. Watched that game with them last week, actually, as they won. You know how I said this uh, in the last month? I feel like the Bucks have come on strong, and now everybody's kind of saying it. But I've waited and waited for the Saints to catch stride, and I just don't know if it's happening. I know they finally have people back like Michael Thomas, but they just haven't proven it to me enough. I think I'm going the Bucks here. Uh, it's hard to pick against Brady, but it's more about the entire thing, the Bucks, and the way the Saints have been. So I'm going to take the Bucks, and I'm going to take the over in this game as well. So Bucks and over. We'll see what happens. Hey, the game's pretty good last weekend. They look pretty good on paper again this weekend. Yeah. This NFL stuff's pretty darn good. It's our six-pack of picks turned into an eight-pack of picks brought to you by JacksCoastalHomes.com. Brandon, hope you and the family are doing well, man. Enjoy the football all weekend. Yeah, you guys as well. Thanks. Have a good we'll send, weekend. We'll send Urban Meyer your way. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm ready for him. <laughs> Coach, if you're looking for a house, yeah, jackscoastalhomes.com with Brandon Ponce. All right, let's break, take a break. Kuz uh, is going to kill me if we don't take a break. Yeah, so, he's, he's nodding his head yes. Not uh, when we come back, uh, we probably won't have a lot of time. But let's talk a little bit more about these games. Um, just a, a note or two. What's on the line? Like, is, is, Are these legacy plays at all? Mm. You know, see, Lamar Jackson got like, which was silly, but you know, he got the 0 for two streak done. Yeah. But, but listen, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I don't know if it means anything for the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it mean more for the Bills, or are they still upstart? A legacy play for the Chiefs and Mahomes to get back at it and repeat potentially, and you've got legacy galore in the Bucks and Saints game. So uh, where does where do these games fall, and, and who has to win? Uh, or we're talking a little bit differently about them on Monday. Uh, we go there next on ESPN 690.